Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. You're a good God. Father, you said in your word, those who honor you, you will honor. Father, let us be a church who's not interested in the honor that comes from men, but the honor and the praise that comes from the only God. Father, we often pray that prayer. No weapon formed against us will prosper. And every lying tongue that is going to raise against us in judgment, you gave us the authority to condemn. For this is our heritage as the servants of the Lord. Only because our vindication or our righteousness is of you. Not our own righteousness which is filthy rags. Our righteousness and our vindication comes from you. And you said, Lord, great will be the peace of your children. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, we will be a set of people who will, who will pursue that righteousness which comes from you. A righteousness which is by faith and not by works. A righteousness which is accrued by obeying after having a revelation of what is unseen. Not the temporal, but the eternal. A righteousness which is from faith to faith. And a glory that is being accrued in our inner man, which is increasing from glory to glory, even as we walk from faith to faith. As you said, O Lord, that your righteous will live and walk by faith. I pray, Father, that every one of us will be encouraged to perceive and never to give up. Not to quit, Father, in doing good. Not to be become weary in doing good. Knowing that in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Because you are not unjust. You are a just God. You have not forgotten us. You will remember us. And I pray, Father, that even as we listen to your word, our faith will increase. We will be transformed a little more. We will be into your likeness. We will be encouraged. We will be admonished. We will be corrected. We will fall in love with you even more. That, Lord, that we will tr- cling on to you. That we will not give up in these last days. In pursuing hard after you. Thank you, Father. To that end, I pray that you would anoint this word, the speaking and the hearing. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Um, one of the things that we all struggle, I'm sure, if that is a question, if you, if I, if you were to ask yourself, you struggle to pray, for sure. It's prayer is not easy, even though uh, Paul says in Ephesians, pray at all times, pray without ceasing. Prayer should become like breath. But it's one thing that we all struggle uh, to have a disciplined prayer life. Um, if you look at the Psalms, there is, uh, I think, Psalm 84, which is called the Prayer of David. It's a Psalm, but it is a prayer. Um, of all the Psalms, that is one, one Psalm. It's, uh, I think, Psalm 84, if I'm right. It's called the Prayer, the Tefillah, Tefillah. Of David, and if you look at again uh, through the Bible, uh, where, where when people break out into worship, uh, either they're called, they say they say that they're prophesying, or they're praying. And there's one prayer which is recorded, of course, in the, the Bible, which is found in First Samuel chapter 
2, I don't, I, 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 you don't have to turn there. It's the prayer of Hannah. It's not the worship song of Hannah, even though it looks like a psalm. It is the prayer of Hannah. Uh, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord, etc. It's a prayer. But before you have a prayer of Hannah, there is a making of Hannah. See, to pray like Hannah, we should be Hannah. And to have that automatic uh, overflow of prayer, there should be some kind of a working of God in our lives. Because prayer is always in response, most of the time, to what God has done for us and what God has revealed himself about him to us. I mean, if you look at the first prayer that is recorded in the Bible, I mean, prayer after the fall is... Uh, Abraham praying, uh, interceding for Sodom. And one of the things that he says is, will not the judge of the whole world do right? Will you uh, destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the question he is asking implicitly is, Lord, will you not impute the righteousness of those 50 people onto the entire nation, Sodom? And then, of course, he kind of begins to bargain with God with his heart in his mouth. It's literally, uh, please forgive me. You know, he's like begging at the same time. <laughs> There's a bold humility that is there in, in Abraham, right? And then he kind of uh, 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 haggles with him, in, in, if you have to use that word, no? And then 40 to 30 to, to 20 to 10. And then he stops at 10. And after 10, it says that, God went his way and Abraham went back home. God, I mean, Abraham does not go to one righteous. He says ten righteous and he stops there. So there's a revelation of, of God there. I mean, why is he praying? He's praying knowing the fact that the judge of all the earth will do right. And he's hoping to, uh, to appeal to that attribute or the characteristic of God. So Hannah's prayer is a result of something that has happened to her in her life. So, so before we have a prayer of Hannah, we have a making of a Hannah. Now, uh, Hannah means it's just not for girls. It's for all of us too. Because uh, I, I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 1 today. Uh, read that first. Elkanah had two wives. Uh, one was Penina. The other was Hannah. And verse 4 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. So, we know the story that Hannah had, didn't have children. Penina had children. Uh, but to Hannah, he would, verse 5 will say, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And a rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Who closed her womb? The Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. I was looking at this and I was uh, trying to meditate upon uh, how Hannah's are made. The word, um, by the way, uh, every word in the Bible has got a meaning. Elkanah, Elkanah, by the way, means one who is, one who is possessed of God, who's owned by God. Okay. Completely owned by God. And there is only one person in the entire Bible who was actually completely owned by God. And anybody knows the name? Christ Jesus. Okay. Jesus was the only person who was owned by God. He said, Lord, I will not do anything apart from 
his will revealed will. I will not speak anything. I will not do anything. The works that my father asked me to only that I will do. He was completely in one sense. That is the reason which says the fullness of the Godhead was dwelling in him bodily. Okay, picture if you see. Elkanah is a picture of Christ. El means God. Hana, one who is possessed or owned by God completely. By the way, the word penina means ornament or jewel. The one who is pretty. Okay, jewel. I mean, the moment uh, Penina was born and parents looked at her and she said, wow, she's beautiful. Jewel. Hannah means grace, favored. Amazing, right? Nothing is mentioned about her external beauty. Hannah means a person who has been favored. A person who has a specific part to play in God's redemptive plan. Now think about it. In the old covenant, especially in the old covenant days, every woman, especially in the Israelitish, Israelite woman, had an intuition that they could be the bearers of the Messiah, who would eventually uh, bring, uh, would bruise uh, the head of the serpent, and would bring redemption and salvation to Israel. So it was very, very important for them to be fruitful in the sense that they, for them to bear children and and. Uh, Children were a huge thing those days. Huge thing. Okay. So, and and everybody had this. They could be a part of God's redemptive plan. And to not to have children was considered, boy, you're not blessed of God or, or favored by God. So, Hannah means a person who's, who's a person who's favored. And you all know, in hindsight, she was one person who was a part of God's redemptive plan. And all of us, by the way, do you know that we are all a part of God's redemptive plan? Please, if you have any questions, turn to Romans chapter 8. Let me show you that verse. There's a remarkable verse in Romans chapter 8. And whenever I read that, I'm like, I, I, I'm stunned, you know, I'm stunned by that verse. That the cosmic... Uh, what do you say? Effects of salvation. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 8 and uh, uh, verse 21. Creation itself. Okay. Uh, sorry. Tw- 20. Uh, sorry. 20. It says. Uh, sorry, just a minute, please. Yeah, verse 21 onwards. Creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth even until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And it says, verse uh, uh, verse 19, if, if you look at it, verse 18 and 19. For a, Verse 19, it says, for the creation waits with what? Eager longing for the revealing of the do you understand that we all have a part to play in God's redemptive history, redemptive plan, a part to play. And Hannah is that one person who who, who uh, symbolizes or characterizes a person who is a part of God's redemptive plan. So what, is, what, is, what does Hannah mean? Essentially that all of us, we are saved by grace through faith. It is not of works 
lest any man should boast. That is one of the things about Hannah. Hannah is a person who understands that she has found favor and grace with God. Favor, unmerited favor, that is grace means. And unmerited favor with God. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Fall I to the fountain fly. Wash me savior. That is the kind of, she says, Lord, I am a person who is absolutely dependent upon your grace. First thing. Then, she also says that her husband gave her a double portion. (laughs) That's interesting, right? Okay, what is double portion? Double portion is a, is, a, is a thing which is given to the eldest son. Okay? Whenever the father is giving away, distributing his property, the double portion is given to the eldest son. Now tell me, who is the recipient of the double portion? Christ himself is the recipient of double portion. And what about you and me? Romans chapter 8. And verse 15 to 17. If you're there in your Bibles, I'll I'll read it in my Bible, okay? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, what? Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God. And if heirs, oh, joint heirs with Christ. If we suffer with him, then we'll also be glorified together with him. So that means positionally we are all people who are recipients of a double portion. Okay. First thing. So we have people who have received favor from God. People who have received a double portion from God. And another thing is that the Lord has shut a womb. Isn't it ironic? That in spite of the fact that you are a person who is favored of God and in spite of the fact that you are a person who is a recipient of the double portion of God you are still barren. Fruitless. I mean, I was, I was writing this. I mean, of course, we studied this several times. Often those people who are a part of God's redemptive plan are barren. Why? One of the most important things that God has to do in those people who are a part of the elect or God's redemptive plan is to constantly make them rely upon Him and take, and to take away every confidence and boasting in the flesh. So they can find their identity in Christ and not in anything of who they are. That's a remarkable thing that I feel that it's, it's, it's a part of, 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 if you read through the Bible, often people who are God's children only, they will struggle. No? God's children will struggle. Will struggle like anything. Left, right and center, you'll be struggling. You'll be doing everything right, but you'll be struggling. Why? Have you seen that? I mean, I, I, I look at my own credentials, okay? So-called worldly credentials. If you look at my equivalent peers, <laughs> There was one guy called Vamshi in my batch. He never used to understand anything. He only used to ratify. He used to call him Magu. Vamshi. Vamshi Chodavarapu. <laughs> that guy finished PhD before me. Got married before me. Became associate professor before me. And has more patents and more publications than me. And He said, Vijay, if you need admission, I will give you. (laughs) Nobody knows this. That is what we call as eating humble pie. And you look at this fellow and you say, Lord, this guy, this fellow, 
You remember those days when we used to do combined study? This fellow used to come and look at my answers. And what has happened to him? Left, right and center publishing. And what is happening to you? Often. I mean, that is only in the temporal unseen. Okay. <laughs> but in, even in the eternal unseen, people of God who have a genuine call of God, God will often let them not see the fruit of their ministry. It's a tremendous risk. Think about it. No, think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Paul, did he actually see the fruit of his ministry? Did he ever think that his epistles will become a part of scripture? Or everybody forsook him. Only Luke was there with him and Timothy is, is asking, please Timothy, come. Often, I will tell you, my, you, if you are a part of God's plan, be ready for this. Be ready for failure. Be ready for absolute humbling and breaking. Be ready where you thought you were strong, God will break you. You will be barren. Barrenness. And you will have nothing to show. You need to understand that. Nothing to show. Even in your ministry, people will say, how many members are there in your congregation? How many people in your school? I mean, there's a big conundrum for people in uh, outside uh, our Grace Tabernacle. They, they forever ask this question. How are you running school with 16 people, 20 people? It's amazing for them. It's a conundrum they cannot even understand. You see that? Often, often you are barren. You have to go through. I, I, I wrote that. Why? That is the reason you know, Paul experienced this. Why? Because God constantly has to break you. Break away your reliance upon yourself and completely be satisfied and content with your identity in Him. I love that. Pastor was preaching. I mean, this was something so many times I heard it, but it was coming to me, coming home. You have to see the person who is secure in identity. You know what? He doesn't have to, he never look to the left or never to look to the right. He's, he's not affected by flattery. Neither is he affected with uh, no flattery. <laughs> you see, it doesn't matter to him. Girls will say great. Girls will not say great. That's what happened to Saul. He's not affected at all. He's always affected about one thing. He's conscious about one thing. Lord, what do you think about me? What do you think about me? Lord, if I die today, Lord, will I be clothed in righteousness? When I hear the trumpet sound, oh, may I? Then in him be found clothed with his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You need to understand this is something very, very important. God shut her womb. It's amazing. The Lord will shut your womb. Womb is talking about fruit. So Philippians chapter 3 verse 3 will say, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and who have no confidence in the flesh. Thank you, Peter, for, for choosing that song on Sunday. One of my favorite songs. Or not hardly people sing that song. Why? He says, though I have myself reason or confidence in the flesh, uh, I have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else think that he has more reason to have confidence in the flesh, I more. Verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, a zeal persecuted of the church, as to righteous under the law, blameless. Boy! Can you imagine, Paul will say, if you consider the righteousness of the law, I am blameless. I always honored my father and mother. 
another another look at what it says and then he says but whatever gain i had i counted as loss for the sake of christ indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ so there is there is a gain in this world and there is a surpassing worth of knowing christ and when i and I, when i put these two together i have a revelation of something about god i find this more than more beautiful and precious than anything else you know what you cannot this is this is something which is subjective this is this is not just objective truth ah because the bible says no 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 it is subjective not everybody feels like that no do you feel today honestly christ is more precious than <laughs> my achievements in this world do you really feel and then he says for this sake i have suffered the loss of all things and count them as penta penta to samana ante think about it nobel laureate oste if i have a nobel prize in chemistry or physics or whatever or a fields medal in chem- in mathematics which is only once in four years that is equal to you see how offensive the gospel is for the people who is who's really brilliant gospel is not easy to actually be actually accept because it is so exclusive naman will get so frustrated about it are there not any rivers in <laughs> in in syria why should i only go to jordan exclusive you will get healed only in jordan because that is the only the river of death nothing else is death so that all things i count them as rubbish and then in order that i love the in order that statement you know one of the one of the discoveries that i made when i'm reading the bible it argues with you do you know that god is a god who will cross your path <laughs> you see and whenever god calls you it is always death to self it is always inconvenient it is never convenient i i found that no uh what am i what must i do to you what must i do lord i uh, uh, i'll show you what things you ought to suffer right joshua is standing jericho is there he crossed the jordan jesus is there are you for us or are you against us holy ground take off your feet take off your shoes and then he says what do you want me to what would you have me do that's always the question and it will always be inconvenient it will be absolutely not rational even though there is rationality in faith but when you look at look with your with your worldly eyes is absolutely irrational it will be inconvenient look at what it says that in order that i may gain christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which comes by the law but that which comes through faith in jesus christ from god that depends on faith you need to understand that this is what god is doing constantly taking away the reliance upon your flesh constantly taking away the reliance on your own righteousness you know that even as you, even as you progress with the lord a little bit of holiness is coming a little bit of separation is coming a little bit of walking is coming a little bit of fruit is coming what will happen are <laughs> something is there in me there that also has to go see constantly is doing that second another place where uh, where this uh, where this thing about reliance comes in the bible a very specific place in the bible uh, in life of paul second corinthians chapter 1 if you can you can turn it in your bibles second corinthians chapter 1 i'll read it from verse 8 onwards <clears throat> okay 
Are you there, everybody? Are you able to listen to me? Hear me? Yeah. For Second Corinthians chapter one verse eight, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Okay. Pastor was talking about affliction. Okay. The affliction that we experience in Asia. Why is should affliction come? And verse, and verse, it continues, verse 8 will continue. For we are, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely, what? Not on ourselves, but God who raises the dead. And I'll tell you something. We are all a people who are resurrection people. What people? Let me tell you what it means. All of us, if you are truly a born again believer, you have had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. What did I say? Okay, yeah. okay. do you think, I mean, think about it. This is This is very important. If you are truly a born again believer, it means that every one of you had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Paul will say, we no longer know Christ in the flesh. You remember that. What does it mean? It means that he was a man who had a resurrection, yeah, encounter with the resurrected Christ. Let me give you an example. Uh, woman, why are you weeping? Okay. Who's, who asked this question? Jesus asked this question, right? She's at the tomb. Woman, why are you? We'll come back, come back to that later on. And then where's the gardener, etc., etc. Don't touch me. Go tell my brothers. So he goes to the brothers and Peter and John come to him. And you find in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 21 to 22. Look at what it says. Again, Jesus said to them, this is having an encounter with whom? With whom? With the resurrected God. Okay, look at what it says. Again, Jesus said to him, peace be with you. As the Father has also sent me, so also am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Remarkable, right? What does it mean? You and I are resurrected people mean we had an encounter with the resurrected Lord. Not, not in the sense that Paul and all these people had, they had an encounter meaning not a, uh, an appearance, but we had an encounter in the sense that we were born again, that we see the Spirit of God, we experienced new life. Now whenever you see the word breathed upon him, you need to go through the Bible and see where all the breathing upon him occurs. First time, where, where, where does the breathing upon him occur? Adam and Eve, when Adam is formed in the dust of the earth, God breathes into him and he, re- and he receives what? And he becomes a what? A living soul. Alright. Second time breathing upon happens, at least to the best of my knowledge, it, it happens in 2nd Kings chapter 4 if I'm right, where Shunammite woman's son is dead. Okay. So what happens? God, God, uh, uh, the Shunammite woman is coming to Elisha and saying, what happened? Etc. And Gehazi is looking at, uh, at her and Elisha says, take my, take my stuff and go and, uh, Wave it on that person and I mean that boy, dead boy and he'll come to life. Nothing happens. Elisha goes and you know what he does? He does a CPR. Mouth to mouth, hand to hand, body to body. He literally breathes into him and he becomes what? A living soul. I think even uh, Elijah does the same thing with the, with the woman, a woman's son. He l- lays on him and brings him to life. What does it mean? You and I literally, if not, if not in the sense that bodily, we had an encounter where God breathed into us through his son. 
the spirit of God and we were born again when we were all dead in trespasses and sins. We are a people who were dead and we have a completely new identity in God. Completely new identity. We are a resurrected people. We are resurrection people, not resurrected people. We are a resurrection people. Okay? Fine. Alright, so it's two things, three things I mentioned about Hannah. Fourth thing about Hannah. The Hannahs of God are not apathetic. What is apathy? Somebody asked this question, what is apathy? He said, I don't know, I don't care. That is apathy. Okay, okay. Hannahs of God are not apathetic, but they have a deep sense of God's call over their lives. You understand what I'm saying? Hannahs of God are not apathetic, but they have a deep sense of God's call. What do I mean by that? They are miserable because the Lord has shut their womb. They are provoked to see fruitlessness in their lives. They are saying, Lord, if you really, really call me, and if you breathe into me, your very life, why is it there no fruit in my life? Question. How many of you cry out like that? Fruitlessness usually, I mean, me jivitam, no? You, you gave me so many privileges. Not so many privileges. I'm most highly favored. Uh, Pastor Sharon says, no? We are most highly favored. If we are most highly favored, Lord, why is there no fruit in my life? Is there a holy desperation like that? Question. What, am, what do I mean by that? Lord, am I con- why, why is there, I always keep on murmuring and complaining. When I don't see, I mean, it's, fruit of the, fruit means fruit of the spirit. There's, there is, there is this, there is this restlessness. Lord, something is wrong. Lord, you called me, you, I have a, I should be fruitful, but nothing is happening in my life. She's provoked. You know, the word provoke appears 54 times in the Bible. Okay, in the New Old Testament. The word provoke. It's actually the Hebrew word kahas, from which we go to get, get the, uh, uh, kahas is, kahas, that's the word, hmm? 54 times in the Old Testament, out of which 43 times it appears in a very interesting format, okay, so let me show you where it, where it appears, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 21 and you will understand where this word provoke appears, I'm just giving you samples, okay, of these 43 times, okay, in conjunction with whom it appears, 32, 21. Okay, shall I read it? If you find, if you want it in your Bible, it says, "They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger. That's the word. With their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. This is exactly what is going to happen to the Jewish people. Okay, so we have a young man who's going to go and work along among the Messianic Jewish people, and I'm jealous for you <laughs> that you're going to. He says. You should be a people who will drive the Jews to jealousy. You know, there's one jealous, jealousy, jealousy, jealous, jealousy. Okay, it's a verb and an adjective, right? There's one jealousy which is good. Lord, I'm your son. He is your son. He is related to you. I'm related to you. But we are parallel paths. No problem. But you blessed him. Why are you not blessing me? Okay. He's overcoming sin. Why are you not making me overcome my sin? You are God who shows no favoritism. What is wrong in my life? That is no, there is no fruit in my life. Why? Provoked. Another place. Another place. Uh, Judges chapter 2 verse 12. You see? 
I'm just showing you samples, okay? And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods or the gods of the people that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord too. See, this is a jealousy which comes because of a relationship. You see, that is the reason why, you know what Paul says, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. There is a jealousy which is godly. That I have espoused you to one man, Christ Jesus, that I may prod, uh, that, that I may sub, rather, give him to, give it to, give it, give to him as a spotless bride. There's one jealousy which is allowed, a jealousy which is jealousy in terms of relation. I want you, Lord. I want you. That is the, that is the relation. She's provoked. She's provoked to jealousy, seeing that there's no fruit in her life. She's looking at other person and saying, Lord, having children left, right and center and nothing is happening in my life. What's going on? She's provoked. Why is she provoked? Because she's aware. She has a sense of a God's call. Not just because uh, she wants to show off. There is a sense of a call of God over your life. Is there a sense of call of God over your life? Are you first of all people who really value your calling? I mean, I, I sometimes I feel, you know, we, do we really value our calling? Calling is so precious. Paul was like, so fired about what is called. And he, and he had the audacity to say, I was called before my, right from my mother's womb, I was separated to the gospel of God. You see, value or calling, and she had an awareness. Lord, there's a call of God over my life, but there's no fruit in my life. This is a dichotomy. You've solved this problem. And she's provoked. And then what happens? First, first Samuel chapter, 1 verse 6 onwards. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And verse 7, so it was year by year when she went to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. That she, therefore she wept and did not eat. So exactly the time when the house of the Lord is coming, she's provoking. That's exactly what people of the world will do. Oh, you're a Christian? <laughs> if you're a Christian, what is going on in your life? You're truly Christian? Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to, better to you than? Let me tell you. How many of you want, want to be fruitful in your life? Okay? Fruitful? Come on. Don't be ashamed, Baba. Put your hands right in the air. Nonsense. Come on. I want to be fruitful. Okay? If you want to be fruitful, and if you are a Hannah of God, you have to continuously, every day, answer four questions. Okay? How many questions? Four questions. What are those four questions? Hannah's will be asked by Elkanah, which is Christ, a typology of Christ, four questions. Ain't there four questions? Why are you? Okay, so let me rephrase it. Why are you weeping or not weeping? Okay? Okay. First of all, why are you weeping? And if you are not weeping, why are you not weeping? Okay, second. Why are you not eating or why are you eating? Both. Okay. Why are you not eating? Why are you eating? Third. Why is your heart grieved? Other translation says, why is your face sad? Why is your face sad? Why is your heart grieved? Fourth. Am I not better to, better to, better to you than ten sons? Or in other words, why do you need a son? In other words, why do you want to be fruitful? Four questions. Okay. First question, why are you weeping? Second question, why are you eating or not eating? Third question, why are you grieving? Fourth question, why do you need a son? 
So let us look at four questions today. Today's message, four questions. Why are you weeping? First question, God will ask, why are you weeping? So I wrote down. When I read the Bible, there are different kinds of weeping. Okay? There are different kinds of weeping. God responds to different kinds of weeping differently. God does not always favorably respond to weeping. What did I say? You know, one of the things that I tell my children, whenever you're crying, cry with a reason. If you don't cry with a reason, I will give you a reason. Okay. One of the things that you should tell your children, Baba, they will be shedding tears, tantrum throwers. And right from childhood, you have to teach them. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? And often when you ask these questions, automatically the cry will stop. Because there is no logical and a rational answer for her crying. They know intuitively that it is rebellion. So, God will not always favorably respond to your weeping Baba. Let me tell you something. Okay. He will ask you, first of all, why are tears? First, so in order to understand the principle behind it, what does God actually look for in the weeping? Huh? Okay. What, what does God look for in the weeping? So if you have your Bibles, underline this. Okay. Go to Psalms chapter 6. Okay. Verse 6. If you have an NIV Bible, I pity you. If you have uh, the ESV, I am okay with you. If you have the NKJV, I'm, you're blessed. Okay. So, so go, go to Psalms chapter 6 verse 8. Read that please. Somebody. Yes. Kya baat hai? What does God hear? Ah. You know, ESV says the sound of your weeping. <laughs> I like that word, no? Why is that sound, Baba? Is it, does it say sound? Yeah. ESV will use that. He does not hear to weeping. He hears to the sound of the weeping. Ante, weeping lo kuda, there is sruti apasruti. In other words, there is symphony, there is cacophony, even in weeping. Some weeping is pleasant to the ears of God. Some weeping, ah, sha, cacophonics. Time up. Ask him to stop singing. Okay. So, there is a sound of weeping. So, that is very important. So, uh, let us look at the various sounds of <laughs> weeping. Okay. The anatomy of a weep. <laughs> let us see. What does the Bible say <laughs> about the anatomy of the weep? The first anatomy, if you look at through the, look through the Bible and sample through the Bible, the first anatomy, first, first sound is the weeping of a quitter. What did I say? It's a, it's a very, 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 uh, I mean, it's a place where you'll, I mean, you'll not expect to find that there, okay? So let me show you. What, what do the weep, weeping of a quitter, I just wrote it down. They did not, they do not persevere in the promises of God. They want to inherit the promises of God without the character of God being developed. They give up easily and are impatient. They give up without a fight. Ah, I don't like the problem. Let me show you who that person is. Okay. Turn to Genesis chapter 21. And you'll find it very interesting. Okay. (laughs) I learned so many years back when Pastor James taught all these things to us. Okay. This is nothing new under the sun as I say. Okay. There's nothing original in Vijay's voice. (laughs) Vijay is already there. I'm just echoing it. Okay. Genesis chapter 21 verse 14 onwards. So this is after Madam Sarah says, throw out the bond woman and her son. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is what is happening over there. So Abraham with a heavy heart is throwing out the bond woman and her son, not after 
listening to Sarah's voice after God confirms the voice of Sarah. And he gives us additional information also. Okay, what is that additional information? Verse 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and skin of water. That's all God asked him to give her. Amazing. You see, see, I'll tell you what wisdom actually is. Wisdom is the ability to make the right choices and the right decisions, not just looking at the moral value of it. For example, for example, okay, for example, it might offend a few of you, but it's okay. <laughs> After all, we are, we, are, we are offended several times, we'll offend even more, no problem. See, uh, what what is actually wisdom? We will be listening to uh, our great man, we will not mention the name, the man of God, okay, because again, you'll go with that fellow and run, so we don't want to listen to you, protect you. So, he says a very interesting statement. What is wisdom? Wisdom is not always being morally correct. Looking at us, for example, let us say we have a person going on the road. Who's begging? Amma. Puddi Amma. And you say, I have to alleviate this fellow out of poverty. And you take him to your, your home and you feed him and you solve all his problems and you said, ah, ha, 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 I did a great job. Now God will be pleased. You know, God will say, the very thing that you did was going to destroy that fellow. Because God is always not interested in your physical elevation. He's interested in your eternal. So if it takes poverty for you to come to God and cry out to God, God will allow that. So God told Abraham how much to give to this lady. God, I mean, Abraham, one little bread, little water. That's all. Okay, let us move on. Okay, that is only besides the point. That is only free. Okay, that's free. You don't have to pay anything for me. This is free. Okay. Let us see what is the point over here. Then um, he gave it to the boy Hagar and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was was used up. And she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And she went and sat down across from him at a distance of about a bow shot. I like that. <laughs> bow shot. Bow shot. Okay. I don't know how she measured that. But a distance of a bow shot. She is very smart, Baba. Okay, Hager. She is. She understands kinematics and projectiles very well, which Hepzibah and all of you struggle with. She knows it very well. Hmm? For she said to herself, that means she is very smart. Okay, very very smart. Don't think that they are not smart. Very smart. And she said to her, well, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite to him and lifted her voice and ah, he started weeping. Now what do you expect? God will answer the weeping? No, no, no. no. Look at what it says. Everybody read verse 17 in your Bibles. And underline it if you miss this point. Read it loudly. Ah, (laughs) isn't it interesting? God did not hear the weeping of Hagar. And she said, What aileth thee Hagar in KJV? What is your problem Hagar? Normal English. Never asked, why are you weeping? No. I'll tell you why. Hagar, did I not promise that this guy is going to be a person who is going to have many, many people in his generations? How come you so gave up so easily? Genesis chapter 16. You can turn there. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and I will submit yourself to her. Verse 9 onwards. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for 
multitude and now you put her put it put that fellow under the bush you have given up upon the promises of god and now you're waiting for that promise to die in your life and you're weeping so many believers are like that they've given up upon god and they're waiting for the promises of god to die in their life they're hagers and god will not hear those weepings so weeping of a quitter who will not fight Quitters don't answer. Quitters don't win. Winners don't quit. You want to be a winner? Don't quit on God. I'm not saying that. It's not like, okay, I can do it. No, 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 no. God, you can do it, Lord. You promised. You promised. You promised. You gave me a promise. Most of you don't even have a promise, first of all. Forget about <laughs> You can never hold on to anything. Most of you. have you? Do you really have a personal promise in your life if I have to ask you? Can you 100% say, this is my promise that God has given? Don't give me general promises. Every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I also know that verse. Hmm? If I were to ask young people, Ichi Naniko, Vagdhanam? Vagdhanam Ichi Devudu. Abba! Yentamandik Vagdhanam Ichi how many really received a promise from God and you are holding on to it? God gave me a promise. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. I hold on to it. That is my promise. <laughs> that, is, that is my promise. Sister also, he gave you a promise too. Jeremiah chapter 14 if I am right. 40, 14, right? 30, okay, 32. So, See, there's a specific promise on people. Now think about it. So many of us are so weak in our faith. Think about it. You just give up so easily. I can't take it anymore. Too much. You give up on your husband, give up on your children, give up on your relatives. You will never persevere in your calling. And you know what? How do I know it? When you listen to your conversations and your voices and your frustrations. Why should I do it? Why should I do it? Why should I do it? You become a Rahul Gandhi. <laughs> we were discussing with Pastor in the morning. <laughs> okay. Why should I do it? Nobody, nobody gives a, uh, whatever, dash, dash. Uh, two straws. According to Spurgeon. <laughs> like Spurgeon says, I care two straws, what do you think about me? I like that. Okay. Nobody gives two straws to my work and my labor. And always bickering, 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 always complaining. I'll tell you that is a voice and a weeping of a quitter in the name of Jesus. God is not going to listen to those voices. Hmm. But look at Abraham. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. 14 and 15. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. That is the prayer that pastor was praying in the morning when we were praying. He said, Lord, patiently we endured and you honored us. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you. You never allowed us to compromise at any instant. At one point we said, okay, no problem. God will take care of, take care of us as a church. But thank God, now we are registered with the government. Grace Tamanakal Hyderabad. Kya baat hai? Telangana government gazette mein aayega ho abhi. Badiya. See, that is what he's saying. God has given us a promise. Hold on to it. Don't quit. Jesus, children, don't quit. 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 Don't
Oh no, I will not quit. I'll become Rafa Nadal. I'll get a no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking about uh, Grand Slam. Uh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about character. Perceiver in character. Romans chapter five verses two, three, four, and five. What does that say? Oh, five, two, three, four, sister. Mm-hmm. Kya baat hai? Oh. Mm-hmm. In hope, in the hope of the glory of God. Not only this, we also exult. How many of you exult? Thank God today I'm going through tribulation. How many of you say that? Ayyo Lord, why am I going through tribulation? If you are being persecuted for righteousness, like rejoice and be excellently glad. Are <laughs> But great is your reward. We exalt in tribulation, yes, sister. Also. Do you know? Perseverance. perseverance. Yours is an ASB, right? That's the most divine translation. Please go on. <laughs> and proven character hope produces. Hope and hope does not. Kya baat hai? Hope does not disappoint because of what? The love of, love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is, which is freely, freely given to us. You have a love. Your God, your heart has been circumcised. You are so in love with God. You have such a fantastic close relationship with God. You are so sure. God, what He has promised, He is going to bring it to pass. And you will, and we will sing, no? El Rohi, El Rohi, Nannu Chusave, Vandanamaya. All pastors, Nannu Chusave, Vandanamaya. Nijaga Chusada, finish too. Next day they will quit and go. One persecution comes to the church. But they will come and say, El Rohi, El Rohi, they will sing. Who sang that? Hagar. You see that? Understand that. There's a weeping of a quitter. I do not want to quit in my race. I want to persevere till there and I want to hold on. And not because, not, see, see, there should be a natural inclination. I don't want to quit in my life. I mean, there could be, no? Like, my mother is just saying, no way. I'm going to show my mother. That's not what I'm talking about. Every time that is, that is how she used to provoke me. <laughs> you will not be able to do this. Really? <laughs> I'm going to get my intellectual steamrollers on now. You see? But that is, he's not talking about that. It is because God has promised. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So first is a weep of a quitter. And God will not hear that quit, uh, that voice. Another one. Weeping of an ungodly profane person. Who is that fellow? Turn to Genesis chapter 27, verse 38 please. Who is this fellow? Esau said to his father, Don't you have at least one blessing? My father. Bless me, even me also. Oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. The weeping of a profane, ungodly fornicator. What is fornicator? What does fornicator mean? Fornicator means just not does not mean sexual immorality. This guy is fornicating with the world. If you love the world more than God, you are a fornicator. And you know why most of fornicators, why do they weep? Because they are not getting this success in the world. They will weep. That is a weeping of an Esau and God will not hear that. Show you this verse. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 16, 17. What does it say? 
lest yeah verse hebrews chapter 12 verses 16 and 17 lest there be any fornicator or profane other other translations will use the word ungodly demonic what does it say your translation immoral immoral person like Esau who for one morsel in other words he is he does not value godly things let me ask you something questions all children over here and all elders too how many of us value godly things you know one of the things I am constantly reminding my children even myself in every day in my home you know what I say in our home there should be reverence for God when we sit for prayer we give him reverence those just don't come casually and sit on my lap when I'm, when I'm praying. Sit there when we're listening to the word. Even if it's for five minutes we are listening to the word, let us give Lord reverence in our home. Let us practice that. Reverence for his word. Reverence in every area of you. That is what we are, what we are talking about. Don't take spiritual things lightly. So many people that take spiritual things lightly. Spiritual things lightly. Those things which have an eternal consequence, they take it lightly. Let me tell you, if you are a children of, if you are, if you are a child of God, if you take spiritual things lightly, you will fail in your earthly pursuits also. Period. Let me, let me say that. Categorically, even if you pursue in, and you become successful in your earthly pursuits, you will pursue and you will be successful with great misery. You know, that is the reason why one man of God, I think C.S. Lewis who said this, he said, if anything a man does without God, he is bound to succeed Sorry, fail miserably or succeed even more miserably. You become miserable because that is not a call of your, because you are not meant for that. It's like this, no? Uh, when I, when do I call my watch a good watch? Somebody say, give this example. If I take my watch and take a, 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 a nail and say, tuck, 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 and it breaks. And I say, bad watch, horrible watch. Nonsense. It is not meant for driving nails. It is meant to see time. And you are meant for something. You are meant for God. And if you use yourself for anything, and if you have a deep sense of God, of a call of God over your life, and if you use yourself for anything other than God, you will be miserable. You will be miserable. And you will be weeping, and God will not hear it. You know, because He says that's the weeping of an Esau. And then, weeping of an Esau. Thirdly, Weeping of discontentment. Turn to Numbers chapter 11. Verses 4 onwards. It says, verse 4 onwards. Now the mixed multitude were among them yielded to intense craving. It starts with a mixed multitude. So let me tell you something. Don't be a part of the mixed multitude. Until half your half foot in the world, half foot in God, either be sold out to God or you, you quit God and go to the other side. Okay? Quit God. Say, I don't, I'm not interested in the things of God. Why are you wasting your money and time on me? I am not interested in the things of God. Put me on the other side. Don't become mixed multitude because a mixed multitude is a problem everywhere. In every church, those are the people who create problems. And the mixed multitude can be three types as we heard. Okay? There could be the carnal mixed multitude, there could be intellectual mixed multitude, and there's another person who's spiritual. Both are a problem. One will be interested in worldly things, other will be interested in apologetics. I just couldn't stop laughing the other day. You see, they're all intellectual mixed multitude. This is how we should run the church. There's no spiritual connection over there. 
the intellectual mixed multitude is a greater problem than a carnal mixed multitude because carnal mixed multitude can identify easily. Mixed, intellectual mixed multitude will hide in the guise of spirituality. You will never think, he is such a praying woman, he is such a knowledgeable person, but you don't know his heart. You see, you see, so it says in uh, Numbers chapter 11 verse 4, now the mixed multitude who were among you yielded to intense craving, so the children of Israel also, ah, they wept. They ate chanmalli. Why did they cry? Who will give us meat to eat? Bah! Meat lovers. Andar mamsahar lekada. You are all omnivorous. And more carny than more omni. <laughs> Nothing wrong in being carnivorous. Okay. I am only sambarvorous. And I like fish with my sambar. Oh, that's okay. Because Jesus also only gave only fish, Papa. So, so, Mama is like, apart with Mommy. My family, is, you should, you should see. You know what? My family is a family of tindibotos. Actually, we celebrate gluttony. What should we eat? It's a debate. Oh, there is nothing in the fridge. Oh, today fish didn't come. Oh, you? What will you eat in the evening? I mean, I'm thinking, no? Whenever I get food on my table, about my good old days, <laughs> how we used to celebrate food. My goodness, Christmas Day morning. It starts with gare and chicken curry and peruk gare and sweet gare, biryani in the, uh, in the afternoon, go to your relative's house and eat. Eat through the day, it is coming out of your nostrils. <laughs> we celebrate gluttony, you know, especially in Christian families, we have gluttonous people, actually. Okay, sorry to say that. That is, I'm gonna to come to that eating, why are you eating and why are you not eating later on, but this is very important. Why are you weeping is very important. We still, we still, still at why are you weeping part. Why are you weeping? Because you are not being satisfied in your flesh. And you value satisfaction in the flesh more than you value satisfaction in the spirit. I mean, I was telling Justin the other day, I said, Justin, I don't care if I don't have a car. I don't care if I don't have a house. I don't care if I had have anything of the world. If I don't have a revelation, that day, I want to quit this and go. Because the only thing which will give me a high is revelation. And whenever I have a revelation, I'm just pacing left, right and center. Because it's, it's such a high, you don't know. God has spoken, he has broken through to you. And mana has become fresh. It's not stinking. It's not yesterday's mana. It's today's mana. Even if I read the same verse 150 times, today it is fresh because my God's mercies are what? Ah, new every morning because he's the only master who will reveal you, reveal to you freshly every day. Mercies are new every morning. Every other person is corrupt. That is the reason why sin is what? Exchanging the glory of the incorruptible God into things made as into corruptible man. Forfeited beasts. Creeping things and birds. Many of you run after birds. This is called, you know what it's called? Ornithology. Bird watching. Okay? Be very careful. Okay, birds have greater intuition, as I said last time, than men. Are you satisfied? You know what? Their discontentment because they have not been satisfied in the flesh. Are you antenna? Itena? 
ఇంతే ఏంది చే మన్న 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 వాట్ ఇస్ దిస్ వెడ్నెస్డే ప్రీచింగ్ సండే ప్రీచింగ్ ట్యూస్డే ప్రీచింగ్ హౌ లాంగ్ ప్రీచింగ్ హెల్ప్ మీ టెల్ యూ సంథింగ్ ఈజ్ ఇట్ పాసిబుల్ దట్ గాడ్ ఈస్ నాట్ స్పీకింగ్ టు యూ ఈవెన్ దో ద వర్డ్ ఇస్ ట్రూ ఈస్ ఇట్ పాసిబుల్ i mean i'm telling you honestly i ask myself sometimes if i see people in the congregation falling asleep not when i'm preaching okay i'm not so vain if when pastor is preaching or sir is preaching i look at the congregation and they're sleeping i'm like i tell just how can you fall asleep <laughs> absolutely you know one of the things i hate in the in, in my class if I, i i mean i take it personally okay in my class i take it personally i think god takes it personally too if i take it personally if i being a evil preacher take the sleeping of the class personally how much more it is what we call as a fortiori logic argument from the lesser to the greater i am less god is great think about it think about it you know whenever i see children falling asleep in my class boy it drives me nuts because you know what i prepare so hard i just put everything in my mind i take my pens my chalk piece no notes when i go to my class and i say why are you sleeping ha huh? i look at him and what is it? some people just look at me they don't even write notes i said what you have photographic memory <laughs> what is that Uh, photographic you don't even write notes oh boy baba you're already albert you're still not einstein and i named some of them some of the students in my class albert and whenever i say albert they look at me they respond how many alberts here see boy it's a turn to john's gospel chapter 7 verse 70 yeah 717 why do you not hear even if the word is true judge <laughs> john's gospel chapter 7 verse 17 yes please read it yeah if anyone oh yes 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 if any man's will to do is to do his will then he shall know of the doctrine ah whether it is ah in other words if your will is to do god's will then you will understand the message that is the reason why the word that was spoken to them did not profit them why because they did not mix it with faith you know what they did not value eternal things they were weeping over being fed with manna every day you see that boy it's a weeping of discontentment god is not going to hear that a mind which is set on earthly things and not eternal things and then number chapter 14 a weeping of rebellion and unbelief so all the congregation absolutely no no question about that all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept my god why 10 people brought an evil report and they wept because of the evil report now tell me something how many of you weep when you hear an evil report some gossip and slander about somebody oh. 
and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation. This is weeping because they don't want this man to lead them. Because his life convicts them. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. Another, another weeping. Hmm. Uh, this is this is this is really really a pathetic kind of a weeping. This is this is what we call weeping because of incomplete and partial overcoming. What does that say? And you know where this where, where this weeping will happen? In heaven. The word weeping comes from the Hebrew word baka. But if you want to have a multidimensional weeping, what does I say? Multidimensional weeping. You should have weepings. What does I say? Okay, so let's see what is, where is the first time weepings happen. Okay. Turn to Judges chapter 2. <laughs> you see the weepings and they call that place, place of weepings. And the angel of the Lord came to Gilgal, verse 1 onwards. Judges chapter 2, verse 1 onwards. Why? Why did the angel of the Lord come to him? Come to them? The angel of the Lord said, this is the entire land that you have to inherit. And what did they do? Partially inherited it. Partially they obeyed God or partially they inherited the life of Christ for us. And then what happened? Then the angel of the Lord came to, came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I led you out from Egypt and brought you to the land which I swore, etc., etc., etc. And verse 3, therefore I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be thorns on your side and they shall, and their God shall be a snare to you. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel, they lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the place Bochim. And after that, what did they do? They sacrificed the Lord and they went home. I mean, amazing, no? I'll tell you what it is. It is weeping because when somebody else has taken your crown and taken and gone, you'll go to heaven. And you know what will happen? I don't think uh, heaven is going to be a very, very nice, uh, wonderful place for many of us. We'll become Roger Federer when, when Rafa Nadal beat him in the Australian Open. Started weeping. Why did he weep? Something which he could have achieved. Something which was meant for him. A crown that was meant for him, somebody else with your name upon it is going and taking away your crown. Only one weeping is positive weeping. Let me show you that verse. Turn to John's Gospel chapter 20 please. Chapter 20. Excuse me. Chapter 20. When God himself asks, no, this question. Verses 14, 15. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. This is after the, is the, the, the angels ask women, why are you weeping? And what are our, our, our two angels were, uh, Aksha and, uh, and Sarah, right? Why are you weeping, woman? Woman? Why are you crying? Okay. So this is verse 15 now. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, I'm sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. Somebody has taken away Christ from my life. I want him back. And he said, Mary. You know what she answers? Everybody read the next part. She said, you know what Raboni means? What did you say? No, it is not teacher. I'll tell you what it is. My teacher. My teacher is gone. Who is your teacher now? The Spirit of God is your teacher. 
Has he left you? My teacher is gone. And do you say like David? It is what we call as a weeping of repentance. Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Make me to hear joy. That is what we call as a weeping of repentance. My teacher is gone. I am not able to hear his voice anymore. Rabbanai. Why are you weeping today? Next. Why are you not eating or why are you eating? Okay. Why are you not eating? And there is one fellow who didn't eat. His name is Amnon. He was became leaning, he was becoming lean day by day. You don't have to turn there because it's too graphic. No, I don't want to. It's too graphic. Lean day by day. You know why? Because his flesh is not, not being satisfied. He is not eating because his flesh is not being satisfied. It is what we call as a fast of a rebel. Rebel. The fast of a rebel. The fast of a rebel. You know why? Because the parents have, he's throwing tantrums so that the parents will heed to his voice. I was, I used to be like that. Didn't eat for three days. Because I want to have my way. Finally, my parents had to look at me. And they had to have to weep. Think about it, no? How many of us have actually done that? Weep. Fasting because you are throwing a tantrum. You will not eat. You will not eat because your flesh is not being satisfied. You will not eat because of that. Why are you not eating? Mm-hmm. Very important question. Another thing. Matthew chapter 6, you know this, no? Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the in other words, there's a fast of a hypocrite also. Can you imagine the oxymoron? It's such a contradiction, right? Fast of a hypocrite. I mean, I, I, I like the way, I mean, I think God has a tremendous sense of humor. Okay, look at what it says. Moreover, when you fast, do not fast like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces. I don't know how they do that. <laughs> I love that. They disfigure their faces. I mean, they, they, they do a, a, something they have to do. They do plastic surgery almost on their faces. I mean, have you seen that? When people, they come like the sad faces like that. Sad face. Long face, sad face. Why is your face like that? Because you didn't have your way, basically. It's a fast of a hypocrite. And that is the reason that God says, you know what? You know what is a fast I'm looking for? I'm looking for a fast wherein you're fasting for me. You see, when the bridegroom is there with you, do you have to fast? When the bridegroom is gone, they will fast. You know why? Because they need that from him. They need him so badly. And he is going to only meet them in secret, not publicly. God is not going to meet you now here. God is going to meet you when you go back to your homes in your secret closet. When you shut down all the doors, that is when God will meet you. Because that is where God who sees you in secret, he will reward you openly. The fast of a hypocrite. Why are you not fasting? Other times, why are you not fasting? Look at this. Matthew chapter 17. 
Then the disciples came to Jesus. This is the first thing that we learned in the beginning of the year, right? Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. This is after Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Mount of Transfiguration. So this is interesting. Okay. People also in the kingdom of God, they transfigure their faces. Okay. They also have their Mount of, mount of Transfiguration. <laughs> it's amazing. The irony of it all. No, let us see. Matthew chapter 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, I like that, privately. I like that word. Disciples coming privately. I hope you also go to Jesus privately. Privately. Do you have a private time for God? This is, this is important, saints. This is indispensable. Indispensable. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, countrymen. Eat. Think about it. I mean, I'm telling you, this is indispensable. If you do not have a personal relationship with God, it doesn't matter how much you're doing for God. It is all futile. Private. Private meeting with Jesus. Do you have one? Do you have one? Do you have one? Okay. Private meeting with Jesus. They came to Jesus privately. So, and they asked him this question. Why could we not cast out? In other words, why is there no power over the, over the evil one in my life? Why am I succumbing to the temptations? When, why is, why is it so easily for me to fall to the temptations and to the wiles of the devil? Why is it happening, God? Why is it happening? Why is it happening in my life that I'm not able to overcome sin? I so easily succumb. Some people don't even know that the troubles that they're having in their lives is because of the demonic. They don't even know. The wiles of the devil. The, in, the most important, I mean the easiest way to, for the devil to trap you, you know, to show that he's not there. I'm not there. Like the children, no? Where is daddy? Where is daddy? I'm not there. It's like that. That is their theology. Look at what he said. Why am I not able to overcome the devil, Lord? Why is it so easily? I'm falling sick over and over and over again. Why, Lord? Why? Jesus says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, so conveniently taken out, taken away from the new textus receptors. However, this kind does not go out except by, read that loudly please, prayer and fasting. Why are you eating? Some of you. When you are supposed to fast, why are you eating? What, you know, it's an interesting, right? God says the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah has reached, has reached to hand. It doesn't say the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah has reached me. It says the outcry. What is the outcry? It is the outcry of oppression. That is the reason why it says, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. Fullness of bread abundance of idleness and it did not strengthen the hand of the needy. You know, in other words, the sexual immorality that you see in Sodom and Gomorrah is an absolute result of apathy towards godly things. Full of food. You know, Zach Puran said this very interesting thing. He said, you know what? If you, if you want to overcome sexual temptation in your life, fast a little. More. Children, if you are young and if you cannot fast, Forget about it. Forget about it. You will be like crosshairs to the evil fellow. Most of you are weak because you eat a lot. 
you know most of you sleep because you eat a lot that's what my my professor used to say you know post lunch sessions bah, i don't want to have it but sometimes i have it that is the time i'm even more fired up now don't sleep in my class don't eat too much why are you fasting all right second thing third thing why are you, why is your heart grieving why are you grieving hello third question why are you grieving is it a grief of repentance second corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 you know this very well but let's read it to read it for the millionth time in our church why are you grieving now i rejoice not that you were made sorry but that your sorrow led to what repentance change in other words after you have cried and you have not changed your mind hmm after you have cried and you have not changed your mind your crying is useless in other words that's it no two sons no please come and do this i will do it did he do it no the other fellow said no 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 i will not do it and what did he do later on he he changed his mind ah the point is that he changed his mind he changed his mind what does it mean what does it mean is there an increase of transformation that is happening to you otherwise are you grieving lord that is not an attitude of christ i should have been a person who is showing christ in my life look at me lord and i'm not even grieving i'm not even grieving i'm thinking it's okay i mean think think about it no if you are more angry today if you are more bitter person today if you are more lustful today if you are more liar today the sins that used to bother you let's say 5 years back do do they bother you now or are you okay is there repentance is there grieving final question in the time that i have why do you need a son why do you need a another question what is your idol ni vigraham enti why do you want to be fruitful in your life what if i don't i'm not fruitful am i not worth more than 10 sons jesus will ask you know what i i i'm so challenged by that man not sundar krishna you know what he asked god i like that no what did he ask god blessing of obscurity wah amazing i like that i said what a challenge if i know little i want the whole world to know and that man senior man of god he was a preacher in one church for 33 years can you imagine that preaching to the same congregation mohammed le danak papa for 33 years faithful and then he said lord let nobody know no, nobody knows where he is now you know what he is doing actually his calling was to go into obscurity and pray for the next generation amazing why do you need do you have an idol why do you want why do you want success now look at this no turn to ezekiel chapter 33 so many people have one of the biggest idols in their lives i'll tell you what that idol is ezekiel chapter 33 <clears throat> verse 13 please <clears throat> okay don't mind my sweat it's okay 33 verse 13 3313 okay it's easy to remember only in the bible you'll find 27 is next to 38 what did i say is very simple 2 plus 1 3 7 plus 1 27 38 see that okay 
So that's the reason why. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's like, it's, it's, I was discussing with Cyril the other day, you know, he said, you know, Spurgeon, Spurgeon is like this, no? When he reads the Bible, every word comes out and he asks him to preach. I told him, it is, it's like Spurgeon is like the Ramanujan of the, of the, of preaching, Ramanujan of preaching. You know what Ramanujan is, right? He had relationship with numbers. Hi, 33, how are you today? What is your feeling? And when he was dying, amazing, when he was dying, the professor who came to him, he looked at him and said, Professor Ramanujan, how are you? And he said, what is your car number? What is the number of my car? Okay, it is, I think, some, some, some number he said. Ah, that is the least number which has a perfect cube root. The smallest number which has a perfect cube root. And that guy got a shock of his life. And you know what he said? I think Ramanujan had relationship with numbers. Oh, you 33, how are you feeling today? Okay. What are your properties? What can I do to you? This is a kind of really, I mean, I'll tell you something. If you don't have the relationship with the word of God like that, sorry. Sorry. Okay, anyway, that is besides the point. That is again free of cost. Okay. So what is your idol? What is your idol? Okay. Verse 30, verse Ezekiel 33, 13. If I tell a righteous person that they shall surely live, but they had, but they, then they trust in their righteousness and commit iniquity. I like that. Super. You know what? Iniquity is idolatry again. Okay. If they commit iniquity, none of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. They will die. I'll tell you something. One of the biggest dangers for people in the church is self-righteousness. And I see it in our own church so many times. Self-righteousness. It's an idol. Why do you need success? Why do you need success? Some people, the truth, whether I get glory or honor, I don't care. I see Romans chapter two. Please Romans chapter two. Please turn to Romans chapter two. <clears throat> and the last point and five more minutes and I'm done. Okay, five more minutes and I'm done. Five or maximum six minutes. Okay. All right. I promise. Verse six. He will render to each one according to his works. You saw that everybody. Who to those who by patience in well doing seek for whose glory? Whose glory? Not God's glory, Baba. Your glory. Seek for glory. Seek for honor. Seek for immortality. Of course, he's seeking for glory that comes from God alone. That is the point over here. But you know what the problem in Christendom? Nobody seeks anything. Where are you going? I don't know. I don't care. Apathetic. I told you, Hannah's are not apathetic. They have a sense of a calling of God over their lives. And they say, Lord, if there is no fruit in my life, I might as well die. Die. There is no point in existing. Seek. But why do you seek? Lord, I want to have a crown so that I can put it at your feet. Because in my glory, you receive glory. That is the reason why Paul says, who, you are our crown in 2nd Thessalonians, 1st Thessalonians. You are, you are our crown. You are our glory on that day. Why am I doing all this? Because you are my crown. You are my glory. And God says, you are my crown. You are my glory. I want to show you off to the rest of the world. This is what the overcoming bride is. So four questions this, this evening. Why are you weeping? 
Why are you not eating? Why are you not eating? Why are you eating? Why are you grieving? Why are you not grieving? Why do you want to be fruitful? And then, finally, let's, let me read from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11 onwards. I love this. My dear brothers and sisters, the last lesson for today from the life of Hannah for me and for all of us. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maid servant and remember me and not forget your maid servant, but will give your maid servant a male child, then I will give him to you the, the uh, give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Can you believe it? Voice is not being heard. But who's recording? God is recording. I love that. I love that. Voice is not being heard. God is recording. That is the reason why. Why did Sarah laugh? Oh, I did laugh. She laughed where? heart you see that out of the out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaks that is the reason why she says you have enlarged my mouth you know what the word enlarge the NKJ will render it you have given me a smile over my enemies you have enlarged my mouth O Lord okay that's still not the point okay let's move on and then oh sorry uh, yeah uh, where am I yeah yeah so, and it happened that she continued praying. Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. Now, look at this. This is, this is a statement that I made. Hannah's of God are a people who have made a covenant and a vow to God. And they say, Lord, make me true to the vow that I made to you. They have made a vow to God. I don't want to make any rash vows, but let me tell you, Hannah's of God will make a vow for God. I remember pastor telling me, you know, which I made a covenant with God, even if you slay me, I was challenged like that. I said, Lord, I also want to make a covenant like that. Did you make a covenant with God? Because Hannah's are not afraid of making a covenant with God. Hannah's are not afraid of making a covenant with God. They said, though they don't make rash vows, they don't make rash commitments, but deep down inside of their heart, because they have answers to these four questions, and because they have a sense of a calling of God over their lives, they'll say, Lord, I will make a vow with you, and I know, Lord, what I have committed to you, you will bring it to pass. I'm not trusting in myself, but I'm trusting in the keeping power of God in my life. Let's read this. Psalm 15, everybody. Turn to Psalm 15. And let's end with that. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Answer, very few. Okay. Who may dwell in your holy hill? Answer, not many. He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor. Nor does take up a reproach against his friend. In whose, in whose eyes a wild person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. I like this. Next one. Everybody read it. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put his money for interest. He who does these things shall never be moved. Make a covenant with God this evening. And then you know what? 
you will have a prayer like Hannah's prayer. And you will become a prayer warrior like Hannah. You have answers to those four questions? If you don't, ask God. Let's pray, no? Let's pray this evening. Let's just pray. 31st day of the 7th month, 8th day, 8th month is a what? What? It is a, is a number of, yes, John Monohar? Yes, John Monohar? Yes, 8 is a number of four new beginnings. New beginnings. Let us, let us get into the 8th month with an expectancy in our hearts. Lord, this month I will have answers every day to these four questions. And Lord, you work in my life. You make me a prayer warrior. Don't look at, don't just look at your, uh, your age and say, Lord, what I can do, Lord, what can I do? God is not looking at, God is not a respecter of persons, even as for, even if anyone in here in this congregation and the people who will hear us over, over the weeks and the days, if you have this heart inside of you, Lord, I have a deep sense of your calling over my life and I'm fruitless and I'm provoked to anger, I'm provoked to jealousy. Lord, do something in me and wrought glory to yourself. Lord, this evening I commit all of us into your hands. Lord, I commit all of my brothers and sisters into your hands. All of us, Lord, we just humble ourselves before you, O Lord. Father, Father, have mercy, have mercy, 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 Lord, mercy, mercy, mercy. Father, as a church, we just humble ourselves before you and I pray, Father, that you will raise up. Father, in this place, Father, Many people, many people, O oh Lord, will, will be, will be on fire for you, O oh Lord. Fire for you, Jesus. Even from the youngest to the oldest, I pray, Father, that you touch each and every one of us, O oh Lord. Father, let there be a new beginning in our lives. Father, seven months of this year are over, O oh Lord. But Father, we know, Father, the days ahead are going to be better than the days that we were behind, O oh Lord Jesus. Father, we believe that. We believe that. And we, we, we go with expectancy in our hearts, Lord. We come against every form of unbelief in the name of Jesus. And we release our for the glory of God. Rot your work in our lives and bring glory to yourself in the name of Jesus. We thank you Father. Commit every one of us into your hands. Take us back home safely and let your word continue to burn in our hearts. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.